When you think of the Renaissance, the first place your mind probably goes to is art. From this era came some of the most iconic art in European history, and that has a lot to do with the system of patronage that existed throughout the continent during the Renaissance. Basically, the rich and powerful would pay artists, writers, and scientists to just do their thing, and this naturally encouraged developments in the arts and sciences. The biggest epicenter of this kind of patronage was the Republic of Florence, in what is today northern Italy. By the second half of the 15th century, Florence was ruled by the influential Medici family. At this point, the family was led by Lorenzo de' Medici, who became one of the most powerful men on the Italian peninsula. Apart from being a major patron to Botticelli, Michelangelo, and Leonardo da Vinci, Lorenzo also ran the Medici Bank, which at its height was the largest banking system in all of Europe. But even for someone as powerful as Lorenzo de' Medici, the political world of Renaissance Italy was a complex and dangerous one. There were many both inside and outside of Florence who stood to benefit from a change in the balance of power. Had their plans succeeded, the Medici would have fallen just as quickly as they had risen, and the Renaissance as we know it may not have existed. This is Foiled. Episode 2, The Pazzi Conspiracy. Italy as we know it today didn't exist during the Renaissance. It didn't actually become a single unified nation until 1861. In the 15th century, a major chunk of the peninsula branching out from Rome was under the control of the Catholic Church, and the rest was divided among over a dozen different kingdoms and merchant republics. Within this complicated geopolitical mess lay the Republic of Florence, which itself was often also a complicated mess. Throughout the late Middle Ages, Florence was controlled by wealthy guilds. Every few years, these guilds would be overthrown by popular revolt, only for another wealthy faction to take over. This was a cycle that repeated itself for centuries, and by the start of the 1400s, looked like it would continue for another century. Enter the Medici. Lorenzo de' Medici was born in Florence on January 1st, 1449, the son of Piero de' Medici and Lucrezia Tornabuoni. By extension, he was the grandson of Cosimo de' Medici, who grew the system of banks owned by his family to consolidate a huge amount of wealth and power. Cosimo became the unofficial leader of the Florentine Republic in 1434, the first Medici to do so. He and his immediate descendants didn't hold any official titles at this point, but everyone in Florence, and in Europe, knew who was in charge. This meant that Lorenzo was born to be the heir to the Medici dynasty. He was raised in the newly built Medici palace, from which the family's banking empire was run. The palace was more often than not full of visiting dignitaries and artists under Medici patronage, as well as Florentines of all classes coming to ask favors of the godfathers of Florence. This upbringing prepared Lorenzo for a future life of rule, but he would not have to wait long for that to happen. His father, Piero, died in December of 1469, and the 20-year-old Lorenzo was now the head of the Medici family. He took on this position in partnership with his younger brother, Giuliano de' Medici. The brothers, but Lorenzo in particular, spent the early years of their unofficial reign consolidating Medici power and attempting to expand Florence's influence in Italy. But being the most powerful family in Florence did not make the Medici's control over the city stable, and in the 1470s, moves were being made to remove them. The Medici were not the only banking family in Florence. In the 15th century, the Pazzi family were already an ancient and well-respected family in Florentine society, and they also made most of their money through banking. This naturally put them at odds with the Medici, 
who were the wealthiest bankers in Europe. As the Medici became more powerful throughout the first half of the 1400s, the Pazzi's influence suffered. This intensified under Lorenzo's leadership because he viewed the Pazzi family as a threat and made efforts to curb their power. So under the leadership of Jacopo de Pazzi, the family made some bold moves to increase their own status and knock the Medici down a few notches. In 1473, the Pazzi took one of the Medici's top banking clients away from them, the Pope. The Medici bank had had a papal account for decades, but in the first few years of being in charge of Florence, Lorenzo pretty quickly derailed his relationship with Pope Sixtus IV. You see, the Pope had some big ideas about expanding the territory held by the Papal States, and this ran into Lorenzo's desire to add land and by extension more taxable populace to his own growing empire. So in 1473, Pope Sixtus was looking to buy the town of Imola. The Medici had no interest in loaning the Pope money for this, and refused to do so. So instead, Sixtus went to the Pazzi. Despite Lorenzo urging them to also deny this loan, the Pazzi lent the money to the Pope and then told him that the Medici had tried to stop them from doing it. I bring up this incident because not only did it make the divide between the houses of Medici and Pazzi worse, but also brought the Pazzi and the papacy closer together. A few years later, the Pope and other papal officials began to work with the Pazzi in a plot to assassinate Lorenzo de' Medici and overthrow his family. In early 1478, plans had been made to assassinate Lorenzo and his brother Giuliano in Rome. The conspirators assumed that the Medici would come to the city for Easter in order to try to fix their tense relationship with the Pope. They did no such thing. So the plan was moved to take place on Lorenzo's home turf in Florence. Apart from the Pope and Jacopo de Pazzi, the Archbishop of Pisa was also in on the plot. On the ground, the assassination would be carried out by a mercenary, the Count of Montesecco, as well as Francesco de Pazzi, Jacopo's nephew. The Pazzi would also have hired soldiers at their disposal, including crossbowmen and cavalry troops. Lorenzo was set to host a lunch at his villa just outside of Florence on April 19th, and this is where the plot was moved next. But Giuliano wasn't feeling well and didn't show up. The conspirators were adamant that the only way to destroy the Medici was to murder them both at the same time, and so they postponed this assassination attempt. The plot was moved again, this time to April 26th, inside Florence itself, and this would be the day they'd strike. On Sunday, April 26th, 1478, they arranged to meet with Lorenzo at the Santa Maria del Fiore Cathedral for Sunday Mass. The conspirators would then blend in with the entourage of a visiting cardinal and assassinate the Medici brothers in their palace after Mass. But plans changed again. Just like last time, Giuliano would not be available at that time of the day so they decided they had to strike during Mass itself. The mercenary count the Pazzi had hired took issue with spilling blood on holy ground, and so he opted out. So instead, they recruited two priests who don't seem to have had any issue with this, and who happened to already be armed. And then, plans almost fell through again, because when Mass started, the conspirators looked around and realized that Giuliano wasn't there at all. So Francesco de Pazzi and one of his other mercenaries had to go to the Medici Palace and convince Giuliano to come to Mass, which he did. With Giuliano in the cathedral, the assassination attempt could at long last take place. Sources conflict on when during Mass they struck, but all agree that it was a gruesome scene. Francesco de Pazzi and a friend of his lunged at Giuliano, and with some daggers they concealed, stabbed him over a dozen times. Giuliano de Medici, died on the floor of the cathedral at the age of 24. 
At the same time as this was happening, the two killer priests the Pazzi had just hired were sent after Lorenzo. One of them had spent the early part of Mass creeping his way up behind him. When the signal was given, he grabbed Lorenzo from behind and tried to stab him in the throat with a dagger. After receiving a cut to the neck, Lorenzo pushed the priest off and pulled out his sword. He defended himself from the priest's next few swipes and then tried to make a retreat. Francesco Nori, a Medici bank manager and close friend of Lorenzo's, was killed defending his employer, and at least one other in his entourage was badly wounded. The Pazzi had assassinated one of their two targets, but Lorenzo de' Medici walked away alive and with a vengeance. Even though Lorenzo had survived, word initially spread around the city that he had also been killed. Trying to take advantage of the moment, Jacopo de' Pazzi rode into the chaos with a cadre of mercenary soldiers attempting to seize power. When this failed and it became clear that the Medici would be out for revenge sooner rather than later, Jacopo fled the city. The rest of the conspirators in Florence were quickly captured. The Medici and the Florentine government were very vulnerable at this point, so legal processes were temporarily suspended. The reprisals were extremely fast and extremely brutal. That same afternoon, the Archbishop of Pisa and Francesco de Pazzi were both questioned and then hanged without trial. The rest of the conspirators shared this fate over the next few days. Jacopo de Pazzi was brought back to Florence and executed. The Florentine government, no doubt influenced by the enraged Lorenzo and the martyred Giuliano, set out to obliterate the Pazzi family from their city's past, present, and future. All Pazzi-owned property and assets in the Republic of Florence were seized and then sold. Their name was taken off of streets, buildings, and signs. Any surviving relatives who weren't imprisoned or exiled had to change their name and coat of arms, and were barred from running for office. The same applied to anyone who had any relation to the family going back three generations, including relation by marriage. The House of Pazzi had all but fallen. Though the would-be assassins in Florence were dealt with, Pope Sixtus IV was still a big problem for Lorenzo. He had been a major sponsor for the botched assassination, and was still a threat. Tensions skyrocketed, with the Pope excommunicating Lorenzo and placing papal sanctions on Florence. This caused a brief war between the Papal States and the Republic of Florence, as well as their allies, but Lorenzo traveled to Naples, where he helped to broker a peace. Sixtus remained Pope until his death in 1484, and is best known today for his construction of the Sistine Chapel, which is named after him. After the failure of the Pazzi conspiracy, the Medici began to centralize and formalize more of the power they had built over the years. Lorenzo de' Medici emerged from the assassination attempt just as powerful, if not stronger, than before. He continued to operate the Medici banking system, which retained its prestige across Europe. Lorenzo was likely the largest patron of arts during his lifetime as well, and funded the work of Sandro Botticelli, Leonardo da Vinci, and Michelangelo early in their careers. Though he was stronger politically, Lorenzo was after this point extremely paranoid, and only moved publicly with an armed escort. In these later years, his health rapidly deteriorated, and he died from a combination of illnesses on April 8, 1492, at the age of 43. Lorenzo de' Medici was a major factor in the Renaissance as we know it, and his descendants would take on powerful roles in European politics for centuries to come. There were three Medici popes and two Medici queens of France. The family eventually traded in their unofficial rule of Florence through commerce for an actual title, and they were the Grand Dukes of Tuscany until the 18th century. 
On top of that, the later Medici continued the tradition of patronage, which had begun when the family first took power. In their centuries-long history, the Medici funded the careers of Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, Botticelli, Machiavelli, and even Galileo, among others. It's impossible to say what exactly would have happened if Lorenzo de' Medici had been murdered alongside his brother that day in 1478. It's entirely likely the Pazzi coup would still have fallen through as it did, though the Medici may also not have been able to recover their power. The chaotic wave of Florentine politics could very well have swept both families away, only to be replaced by some other faction. On the cultural side, Lorenzo de' Medici was not the only one funding the arts and sciences of the Renaissance, but his patronage accounts for a huge amount of artwork from this time period, which remains iconic to this day. Though the Medici dynasty would not last forever, they left a mark on history which endures 600 years later. At the time that this episode goes live, the Twitter and Facebook pages for this podcast will also be live. Just like the Instagram page, you can find those at Foiled Podcast, so go ahead and follow all those to stay posted on any updates with the show. Thanks for listening, and come back next week for another episode of Foiled. 